1: Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center. And circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. Today's episode of Planet Eight takes us to Marvel's Endgame. This is also a very special episode as it's Planet Eight's one-year anniversary. I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in, uh listening and supporting us. Um straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen, what did you think of Endgame?
0: Well, Larry, um, just like this being our one-year anniversary and kind of capping off a, a big year for us. Endgame caps off a big <laughs> 11 years for Marvel. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, it definitely, it it felt like it was the culmination of um, so many things. I mean, I can remember, well, even before seeing Iron Man in the theater, um, being at San Diego Comic-Con and seeing uh, uh you know clips from Iron Man that John Favreau and and uh, Robert Downey Jr. brought there, and so the excitement, you know, had had been going on for so many years now since like 2007, and um, this film, while in some ways feels sort of like that big giant burrito that's like about to explode, uh,
2: <laughs>
0: you know, it was it was definitely satisfying. I mean, there there were some, and and this is a huge spoiler filled. Oh, that's right! today guys spoiler 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 while there were some huge um losses uh in the film um you know people that that didn't make it all the way through mm-hmm. um, you know overall I, I feel really satisfied with this whole you know story that's gone on for all these years now and uh i thought it was you know really well executed i mean we're we're going to talk about it so i have i do have some quibbles of course but um overall i I felt like they they just did a fantastic job um there were just so many things that really you know as a comic book fan for for all my life things i never thought i would see um, Mm. anywhere outside of a comic book page so uh, it was tremendously gratifying um to be alive and see all these movies. And, uh, yeah, I, I just I saw it twice now. And I have to say that, um, it may have been three hours long, but boy, I, I just felt glued to the screen the entire time.
1: <laughs> very good. Very good. Let's, uh, pass it over to Bob. Um, impressions, Bob, what would you think?
4: Well, um, I wasn't so easily taken in. I think, uh, I've mentioned before that uh, I think the hype was so much and just people saying well there's, there's just so much going on you don't even have time to pee and all this and it's like well you know really you could pee any time in the first two hours of this movie. But um, I just felt that it was kind of a slow burn. It had some epic moments. I didn't think the film overall was epic. Uh, the final battle, the final hour of the movie or so. Was definitely epic i mean it made up for the rest of it um maybe i was expecting a little more like i say the hype was just so much that uh you, I, you just expected you know non-stop but i just thought you know the time travel and kind of revisiting the earlier movies and things some of it was interesting some of it seemed a little forced and uh, opens up a lot of questions as far as where these all these different timelines are splintering off and heading, and you know where the, all these characters are going. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, overall impression, you know, I liked it. It was good. I just don't think it lived up to uh, the hype, and maybe the hype was just like way more than it should have been.
1: All right. Well, honest Bob, you know.
0: <laughs> well, what did you think, Larry?
4: Hey, I'm not here to sugarcoat these things, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've only seen it once, um, but boy, I you know it. it I want to echo what Karen said, and that we saw some things on screen that, other than you know, reading it in a comic book, you never thought you know it would happen. Um, I thought it was a great payoff of, yeah, 10 plus years worth of, worth of movies. And, um, you know, there were some loose threads, you know, it's, it's not my all time favorite Marvel, uh, movie, but it's definitely in the top five or six. Um, and, and it, it ended, um, poignantly. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was satisfied, you know, at little things here and there. Like I said, some loose threads that could have been tightened, but overall I, I would differ with Bob and say, if you're going to pee, do it in the first hour, not, not the first two. Um, things got interesting for me after the first hour. Well, they were interesting to start off with, but it, it just got more exciting. Uh, things started ramping up. Um, yeah, but overall, I've, I've, I loved it. Uh, go see it again. I'll buy the DVD and, uh, You know maybe the bed sheets and pillowcase too i don't know
4: (laughs) hey go ahead and splurge and get a (laughs) blu-ray um
1: overall though uh what what was something that just really stuck out bob that that maybe caught you by surprise or that it was very satisfying maybe you did expect it maybe you didn't expect it what what was that moment for you there were many moments i know but what was that one that kind of got your attention
4: oh i would have to say uh As Thor is uh, very close to getting sliced and diced by Thanos, and Mm. you totally expected the hammer to come in and save the day, but the last thing you expected was for the hammer to return to Captain America's hand. Oh man! And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, and you'd have to ask my girlfriend Debbie, but I'm sure I either gasped or uh, (laughs) let out an O expletive or something in the theater when that happened that was kind of like I think that got the biggest reaction out of me and I think Mm. it was basically uh, I mean yes Cap has lifted the hammer in the comics he may have used it once in a while but he kind of knew in the comics that he could and they kind of hinted in Age of Ultron when he kind of was able to nudge it that maybe that was a possibility Mm. but I just didn't expect it to pop right out there in the uh, in the in the final battle and for that to happen and so yeah no that was definitely a pleasant surprise a pleasant shock
2: cool and yeah that,
0: that was a here. high point and i i know the audience i went thursday night and the audience went absolutely bananas <laughs> when he had the, both the shield and the hammer and uh yeah that was sweet i i have to admit i kind of expected it though i kind of thought oh it's really? yeah yeah huh because you know he he did it in the comics when when things got desperate and i kind of thought well you know it seems like it would be a good payoff to that scene in age of ultron where he he just barely shifted the the hammer Mm. if if at any time he's going to be able to use it that would be the time so but it was it was very yeah it was very satisfying
1: i um I, I didn't expect it, but, you know, it was kind of like in the back of my mind. It sure would be cool. And when he did more than just lift it, I mean, he would just beat the living tar uh, out of Thanos with that thing. I would I just kept on yelling. Yes, yes. And and let me tell you, I have a crybaby at these movies. I was bawling. I mean, it was just even now talking about it, just thinking about it gets me a little emotional here. I'm getting a little of a clump.
0: The
4: man tears are coming. No, but uh, OK, well, hey. Here's a question for you though. Yeah. You know, Thor is the god of thunder, right? Mm-hmm. And the hammer channeled that power.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, Cap was calling lightning and shooting it at Thanos. Should he yeah. have been able to do that?
0: I don't think so.
4: You know, I mean, he, yeah, he could lift it, he could throw it, it could come back to him, he could pummel him with it. But I don't think it's gonna give him the power to control any kind of lightning.
0: Yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, wait a minute, what, how is he doing the light? I thought the lightning was from Thor. So that, that seemed a little off, but I enjoyed it anyway. You know? You,
1: you, you guys are pulling a freaking Steve on me here in the core. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke.
0: I, I think it's the same problem though that like- With
2: the big uh, ants?
0: Well, no, Bob sort of alluded oh. to with the time travel. If you if you really sit and watch this movie and try to figure out how the time travel works, especially at the end with Cap, then you probably are not going to enjoy it because you're going to be annoyed at, you know, that time travel this whole time travel doesn't make any sense. But if you just enjoy it on the narrative level of like Oh, you know, this is how they're gonna get around this thing, this is how they're gonna tell the story, especially with Cap getting his happy ending and everything. Then it's like, okay, then you can enjoy it. But yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, but the time travel doesn't make any sense. And I was kind of irritated. But then the second time, just going with the the story and more being into the characters and their relationships and how, you know. Because they they basically, each one of these, the main six goes on this through the movies. They they go on these journeys that basically wind them up at the opposite place of where they started, right? So, you know, like, Tony goes from being this really self-centered jerk to being the guy who makes the ultimate sacrifice, you know? And Cap goes from being this really selfless guy to towards the end, he has like a healthy self-interest he finally decides that i can have a life and everything and yeah. they all do stuff like that right they go from one place to another and you know so they bend the rules of time travel and stuff in order to allow them to have these stories so I, that's what i think is really the the enjoyment getting out of the the story because yeah the time travel is just bananas
4: well see i have a couple I, was- I have a couple other captain america questions but now when he went back in time He had Mjolnir with him, right? Yeah. He was holding it. He didn't have it when he came back. So where did, where did the hammer go?
0: Oh, he took it back to return it to the same time when Thor took it. So that Thor would have his hammer. That's what I'm assuming.
4: But Thor didn't take it back until the events that happened in the second movie in Dark World, right? So the hammer should have already been in the spot where he found it. So does Cap put a second hammer over there? Well, the whole
0: thing is predicated, right, on returning everything, like returning the stones immediately after they took them. I assume he returns Mjolnir immediately after Thor took it. So... I don't know. It's it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. Well, remind of- me
1: not to watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with you two, because it'll just <laughs> drive me bonkers.
4: <laughs>
2: How could they have did a they-
1: stream filled with chocolate? Did they
4: time know. travel in Charlie and Chocolate Factory?
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, cause and effect, uh, you know, a paradox, uh, you know, and and also uh, just a, a reminder, Bob, we haven't really invented time travel yet, per se. So
4: no, and I, I'm, def- I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not I'm definitely not going to argue the rules of time travel because, you know, in in best case scenario, it's just a theory. Nobody knows. What, yeah. What time travel is going to be like, or what it, what it'll do, or if there's the butterfly effect, or if there's not, or uh, if there's right, splintered right. realities or not. Or if you meet yourself back then, you know what's going to happen. Nobody knows, but no, I'm just asking about you know where the hammer go. And then uh, you know if Cap did go back to be with Peggy, he's still Steve Rogers. He's still Captain America. He's still as established in the whole Civil War argument. He can't he can't ignore things that are going on. So did he go back and have more Captain Aven- Captain America adventures uh, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, until he got too old to do it? Or did he really just stay with Peggy and have a white picket fence type existence and...
1: I don't know. I, I never thought of it that way. Or have deeply. I
4: stumped everyone? Because some, I
1: mean, somehow he got I his shield back with the too. Flow. I mean- Maybe he went back and had a six-pack with Hiro Nakamura and they figured it out, I, you know.
0: If if she was already getting involved with setting up S.H.I.E.L.D., then maybe he was involved with that too. But, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless it was a splinter reality, but then how did he get back into our current reality? This is why I don't want to think about it too See,
4: much. See, everyone's been asking that, and I think he just... He just lived, he was an old man. He got to this well, that's point, what I, he got yeah. to this point and he knows that that's where they're gonna be. And so he just went over and sat on the bench and waited for him to see him.
0: That seemed to be the implication.
4: But where did he, I mean, there, where there did there he get that be. other shield though?
0: He, he could've uh, picked it up in one of the other times, I suppose, that he visited. But of course, then you've got something, exi- the same object existing in two times or whatever, but. They don't seem to have a problem with that
4: it's marvel science
0: yes you can't you can't argue with marvel science
4: how about other parts of the movie let's let's not even talk about the end battle let's talk about the first couple hours
0: no i guess i wasn't that bored with the beginning you guys sound like you were kind of bored with it but i was really interested in what had happened to uh, to everybody well even before that i mean Geez, within the first 15, 20 minutes, they're like, well, let's just go kill Thanos. And it's like, okay. And then they take off and they go to the planet. And sure enough, they kill him. Like, just like right away. And uh, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anything. And then we get that five-year jump. And I thought that was kind of audacious.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I And I love the the beginning of the movie where it shows Clint, you know, showing his daughter how to how to shoot arrows and you know then they disappear and it, it kind of gives you insight well this is how clint kind of went down that path um you know myself personally i i decided to go pee when uh black widow finds him uh as Ronan, um and there was going to be some dialogue you know between them i went and used toilet came back um but i agree with okay. you with the
4: they? <laughs> <laughs> too much sure information I needed to know that <laughs> i am proud to say that i held it in the entire three hours wow come on yeah me too
1: that's impressive i i guess uh well anyway yeah i mean that that whole thing with thanos when they cut off his head and cut off the hand and it's like now what and it didn't do a dang thing i know a lot of people were complaining what happened to thor what did you guys? Well, think that, about that
4: that was it. I wanted to, I, that, I wanted to, I wanted to get Karen's uh, opinion of that because it, she's the big was, Thor fan.
0: I think it was. I think they took it too far. I think it was sort of. It sort of reminded me of what happened to Star Trek Five. So
2: <laughs>
0: they did Star Trek Four, and it was like, oh, Star Trek Four was funny. People yeah. loved Star Trek Four. So then they go and do Star Trek Five, and they they turned the entire uh, secondary cast into a bunch of idiots, you know, Scotty's walking down the enterprise corridor and I know this ship like the back of my hand and bang, he walks into a bulkhead, and knocks himself out. they're, they all like, you know, they were all like idiots. They made, they turned him into the butt of the joke. And I feel like they kind of did that with Thor. Mm. They had a, a good story to tell with him. You know, here's a guy, all his life he's been told, you're gonna be this fantastic hero. You're gonna be a great warrior. Someday you're going to be a king. You're just, you're the best. And he he's kind of, when we first meet him, he's in kind of an a-hole. And he's like, hey, I'm the best. Hey, woo And then he becomes humble. And then he becomes kind of this, this likable guy. Um, and then we see him in Ragnarok. And then, you know, of course, in Infinity War, then he's, we see a more serious side, right, where he's lost almost everything. And that was really a nice change for him. But then they decide in this one well let's just put him in a fat suit and make a joke out of him you know and I thought okay that would be okay for a short while but then show us him trying to recover you know show us you know him realizing okay I really got to try and get my together and so I, I just thought it it was a lost uh opportunity you know they went for the, the cheap joke like hey it's fat Thor haha <laughs> isn't it funny he's fat um, and turned him into a joke so I I was really frustrated with that uh, well, they could have you know they could have done something with it and they didn't so uh, I have no desire to see fat Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy
4: hmm. well I'm, th- I'm thinking he'll probably work out between uh, now and then <laughs> but no I mean I was actually reading an article that was really kind of interesting Not so much the article, but kind of the comments that were made about the article. Where they were talking about Thor and the fact that, you know, he blew it at the end of Infinity War. You know, whether people want to admit it or not, I mean, you know, he didn't quote go for the head. And because he, he didn't and because he didn't go for the head, half the universe is wiped out. All these people lost, friends of his were lost, you know, all because he was like, you know, a foot off,
0: but. Well, yeah, because he, he wanted Thanos to know. It was like, I told you I was gonna kill you. And that was his pride coming back, right?
4: Right, so he, now he blames himself, and he's in a deep, deep depression over this thing. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about the comments on the article was the fact that a lot of people commenting are people who basically battled depression. And they said that's exactly what you go through. Yeah, you know, the you know everyone handles it differently, but you know the drinking, you know sitting around with Korg playing video games, isolation, not going out, gaining weight, the whole thing is exactly what you go through when you go through that type of depression. And he did pull himself together for that final battle. And I think a big key moment was when he actually went back. And saw his mother and she's the one that kind of you know consoles him and tells him everything's good and he reaches out and here comes the hammer and what does he say when he gets the hammer
0: right i'm worthy i am worthy yeah so but that was like a, that a was like joke the, right after that
4: well yeah i mean there were too many fat jokes but that wasn't thor that's the people around thor yeah you know, chris hemsworth as Thor basically, it seems, nailed it. You know, this is exactly how people act and exactly how people withdraw when they're going through that type of depression. And, you know, most people don't have to blame themselves for losing half of the universe, but, uh, you know, his depression is on a much bigger scale, being a god and being someone who really lost you know in infinity war
0: well i think they could have focused more on that and and less on the jokes it's the same thing same problem i had with iron man 3 where we're told that tony is experiencing ptsd after the events in avengers and we see a teeny bit of that but we don't really feel the depths of that and i i felt like the same thing with thor it's like yeah we know he's he he's blaming himself but they focus so much more on, oh, you know, how funny is it to see him like this? And it would have been more interesting to see him more like he was in uh, Infinity War when he was he was down in the dumps. And how is he dealing with that? You know, it just I don't know. I it just hated to see uh, him become just a completely comedic figure. Not that Chris Hemsworth, he, he does comedy well, but it's like, I don't know. It just became very one dimensional. The other characters were allowed to, to be more than that.
4: And Larry, the tiebreaker is yours. What did you think?
1: <laughs> well, it was interesting the article you bring up. Uh, I I never really thought of uh, it that much. You know, and it, it, we all uh, you know watch the movie through different eyes. Um, I I thought it was funny. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was part of the film, and and it worked okay for me. It didn't work well. But it worked okay, you know, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, they made him into the dude, you know? Yes.
2: Um, Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, and he did kind of redeem himself at the end of it. Um, The the problem that I had, and we kind of like text about this a couple of days ago, but the problem that I had was Tony does to Thanos and his people what Thanos wanted to do, or had done to humanity, the galaxy, How does that make Tony the hero, right? Shouldn't they have been better than that? Shouldn't shouldn't the mother's solution have been...
4: Thanos killed half a universe that technically was innocent. Most most of them minding their own business, not even knowing what the heck is going on in this big battle, and suddenly they're gone, or their family's gone, or their friends are gone. Whereas when Tony snaps his fingers he's wiping out this horde of creatures that are basically attacking and, and this one guy who wants to snap his fingers again and destroy the rest of the universe. So you know I guess killing innocents versus killing I mean war you have to kill.
1: I, I don't and, know that you know. Thanos and, and again I'm, you know I'm getting too in depth in this. I don't know that Thanos, my understanding was when he did the snap, it was, it was completely random. Uh, priests, rapists, teachers, sports figures, pilots, soldiers. It was just half, no, you know, thought into it. So I kind of see where you're coming from Bob and that what Tony did is he, you know, got rid of all the soldiers and the miscreants and, and whatever uh that were uh, thanos's army and minions and and so forth um but was it still right
0: well it, it, he's defending his planet whereas thanos was exerting his will to be almost a godlike well to be a godlike figure and and remake the universe in his image mm. um I mean, yeah, it's pretty—it's pretty horrible. But you know, if they had wiped out Thanos's army just by using their superpowers, um, would that have been just as heinous? Or, uh, you know, what—what what were they supposed to do? I guess I know it did kind of bother me because it was like, oh, just so immediate and
2: mm-hmm.
0: kind of bloodless and—and and yeah, yeah, terrifying in a way because right. we did you know it was the same thing Thanos did before um, but it yeah. yeah I would say compared to what Thanos did yeah it's, it's definitely not on the same scale
1: yeah and well, I get it I mean you know I just threw that out there for discussion um, kind of like you know what, what was a thought or was it just Tony like knee jerk reaction you know
4: well here's the, the other not. question is what's the alternative what else could he have done you're well, not, not going to
1: rehabilitate somewhere. Yeah, lock them in a black hole or a, you know, phantom <laughs> zone or oh, no, that's DC. Never mind. Sorry. Well, um, I
4: mean, you're not going to rehabilitate these people or these creatures or whatever.
1: You don't know that, though. I mean, I, but and that's kind of a discussion in current times. though, right? It's like, you know, I
0: guess it, he had the mind stone so he could have changed their minds, I suppose, so that they would be peace loving creatures.
1: Or made them all into unicorns, right? Because he had the reality <laughs> stuff. So, you know. Anyway, let, let's move on to um, Black Widow.
0: Yeah. what
1: did you guys feel about that? I mean, Tony got this great send-off at the end. That kid who, who's a young adult now from Iron Man 3 was there. Tony, uh, you know, his daughter was there. And that was a great bit with uh, Happy and the daughter talking about cheeseburgers well, uh, after
2: that.
0: I have really mixed feelings about her treatment in this. Mm. Um, I mean, on one hand, you could say, well, she she made that sacrifice. She knew what she was doing, but then she just essentially disappears from the film. Like you say, she doesn't get any kind of uh, memorial or tribute. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, she was the one holding everything together you know when we make that five year jump she is still trying to ensure that there's some sort of avengers right you know and for her again like her journey we we initially see her and she is sort of this kind of as far as the avengers go almost an a moral character without a real center to her you know she's sort of shifty
3: mm-hmm. um
0: at the beginning, and then over the course of the movies, like when we see her in in um, Winter Soldier, you know, she starts to see Cap and and understand his position on things, and start to feel like maybe she can connect with people. And then, you know, through Civil War and everything, she's you know she builds a relationship with the other Avengers, and like she says, you know, they're her family. And I don't know. I feel like there's something. Um, very it's like okay it's she's she's sacrificing herself for her family and this is sort of a theme that you see with female characters a lot of times in books, movies, what have you, where it's like it's okay, you know, she can sacrifice herself for her family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or women women are sacrificial figures. And like Gomorrah was sacrificed by Thanos, at least this time right. making the choice to sacrifice herself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's kind of frustrating that at the end of the the film, you know, most of the original Avengers are still around. She's gone. And uh, that's just it. She's gone. And Tony at least kind of got a big send-off. But
1: Yeah, it's like the only acknowledgement was kind of Hulk when he, you know, brought everybody back. And he's like, you know, I tried to bring Nat back. And that look on his face was, you know, this pain and and remorse. And, you know, and then that was it. And then, you know, the battle and all that happens. So I just thought, uh, could have done a better job with that.
0: Yeah. But, it, you almost wonder like if the whole sacrifice thing with the stone, if they could have uh, come up with a better storyline where you'd find out that actually Thanos hadn't, didn't need to sacrifice Gamora. And then that would have made it even more poignant, hmm. you know, that, but, I don't know. I've, I, Yeah, I was kind of frustrated with that because I really felt like the Black Widow had gone through such a good character arc and then to have her just kind of like disappear in the middle of the movie.
1: Boy. Do you think you think you guys would have been a little more okay had Hawkeye uh, made the sacrifice? Clint? Yeah, because one of the things that they were talking about is Natasha had no family. Clint did have a family.
2: Well,
4: that's yeah, was, she, she was to, not going to let him give, do it.
1: Yeah, that's what so, the whole, you know, thing going well.
0: back and that's how they always rationalize things. The person with the family has to survive, and the person without the family is is expendable. So, I,
1: I thought it would have been interesting had they kind of went a, a, away from that and let Clint do the sacrifice, and not that it would have been more meaningful, but you know, I, I think there's more stories to tell with Natasha than with Clint.
2: Well,
4: she's got her personal. own movie coming up, so. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, I assume it's a prequel. Well,
4: yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but So that was almost like a way of killing someone off without really killing someone off because they're going to be back. She's going to be back in movies. So.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because Vision's going to be in the Scarlet Vision uh, Disney+. Plus. Vision is, is deceased. Black Widow's going to have her thing. She's deceased. Uh, Loki is going to have his TV show. He's deceased. So it's like, I guess they're doing like, not that Indiana Jones is deceased, but like a, a young Indiana Jones version of these heroes? Well, I Well,
2: no, don't I know. mean,
4: if you look at Loki, there's that one splinter where he grabbed the Tesseract and off he went. That's a whole new timeline now. They could play right off of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, as far yeah, as, as far I, as uh, WandaVision goes, um, I really don't know what movie. they could do because they can't, yeah, they're probably not going to bring him back, you know, to life. And there wasn't like a really big long time between when they went off, you know, on their own, and then saw what was happening with Tony, and then came back. I mean, it was like, what are they going to ha- have like? I think these things are going to be like eight episodes long or something. They're going to have like eight episodes of the two of them in the uh, hotel there.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I yeah. read it's
4: going to be a romantic that, thing, yeah.
0: I Read something strange that said that it was going to be set in the 1950s, which
4: he I didn't even know. exist in the 1950s technically. I know. <laughs> so, uh,
1: you know, I I read someone had a theory that uh, Black Panther's uh, sister Siri or Suri. Suri. Yeah, had enough of vision's blueprint for lack of a better term to be able to recreate most of vision without the stone i don't know if they're going to go that route how they wind up in the 1950s i don't know i guess we'd have to talk to steve rogers
4: (laughs) well the thing that kind of made vision the vision was jarvis she's not really going to recreate jarvis right
1: well, again, I, I, the article that I read was that they had mirrored enough of his programming, his personality to recreate a version of the vision, you know, and whether it's going to be a hundred percent copy or a copy without emotion or memory, or I, or they, and they might not yeah. even do it. I mean, it was just a theory.
4: I call shenanigans.
0: Getting back, <laughs> to, getting back to end game
2: yes uh,
4: oh yes
0: what did you guys think of uh how they brought steve and tony back together because i i i was really i was pleased with it because i i had kind of anticipated that once tony came back from space all would be forgiven but it was not he was still very po'd at cap wow. <laughs> and and uh i i was actually i was surprised by that and i was pleased that i was surprised by that and and i thought it was really interesting that it took a long time for those two to knit their relationship back together
1: well Well, i loved it i i thought it was great when he got off the ship he he confides in cap you know i blew it you know whatever that conversation is and it's like he's having this heart-to-heart conversation with you know one of his best friends not his best friend and then you know, the, the reality of what happened, what transpired and what Steve said and what Steve, you know, then, you know, that happened. So I, I thought they handled it great. I thought they handled it realistically. Uh, those of us that have ever faced any kind of a crisis within friendships or families or whatever, kind of, you know, you you hurt the people you love, you know, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's kind of that exchange, at least for me.
4: Well, I mean, Tony definitely offered the olive branch, in the form of the shield,
2: mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Know?
4: And here was something where you know, in Civil War, he was saying, you know, you know, my father built that shield. You don't deserve that shield. It's not yours, and all that. And now here he is, you know, turning around and giving it back. That was kind of like I think his way of showing Steve Rogers that, you know, he's he's come around, or he's changed his mind, or he's you know, forgiven him, or whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely. I thought I thought that was definitely you know, with him. Handing over the shield—that was like a, a big part of it—and it was still a yeah. little strained too until uh, until the handshake.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Tony. Tony had a lot of—he um, I mean, made a lot of good points. I mean, you know, Cap. Cap is Cap, and and love him or hate him, I could see how he, you know, America's ass can really get under your skin sometimes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they both thought they knew the right thing to do. And they were both very stubborn. Yep. And, yep. and yet they both respected each other and that, you know, it's like, like any of those relationships you have with a, a really good friend or sibling or whatever, you know, you,
2: uh-huh.
0: you really want their respect and you want them to be on your side and, and it just drives you nuts when they, they won't agree with you. Right. Right. So uh, yeah, I thought that was really well handled and I, I also really liked that that like the first thing he says when he you know when he gets off the ship first or second thing is I, I lost the kid
1: yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Know,
0: it was so important to Tony that he mentor um, Peter and then mm-hmm. of course you know after uh, Cap and, and uh, Natasha and uh, Ant-Man go out and try to convince him to, uh, on this time travel thing he's like nope nope I've got too much to lose I'm not going to do it it seemed like the thing that really convinced him to start thinking about it was he sees the picture of him and Peter together. You know, he's doing the dishes and he sees that picture and and he just stops for a second.
1: Yeah, you're getting me of a glimpse again.
4: <laughs> well, see, that also brings up the uh, the question of what was your biggest tearjerker moment? And I think, you know, for me, it was definitely, you know, when Tony and Peter basically encounter each other in that final battle. And Peter's like, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, I fell asleep. I don't know what happened. And you know, all this stuff. And then this Tony just hugs him. And it's like, I had a
1: lot of moments throughout the film. Um, it it was, I I think it's a beautiful movie. (laughs) Um, you know in clinton's clint is not one of my favorite characters but i started off not balling but you know i got teary-eyed watching him interact with his kids and his family and losing that i i think you know they've all sacrificed i mean god knows cap um you know has sacrificed a lot but just to see all those bits um you know, the biggest God, that's a good question, Bob, because I did ball throat most of
4: the time. <laughs> we'll Go, I,
1: I gotta think about uh, this.
2: What was the well I,
0: I know I know the moment that that put a lump in my throat uh was when Scott gets to his house Oh. and he he sees his daughter, but he realizes yeah. she's grown and but he's so grateful that she's alive. That was that was tough.
1: That's true. Damn it, you guys. And Give a minute. Okay. Time. Oh my god.
4: <laughs> Shake it off and you yeah, know, you're, talk, you're do- talking you're talking about Clint. You're talking about Clint. Clint was actually key, right? Cuz he's the one that saved the gauntlet when uh when yeah. Avengers HQ was all crumbling around you're the right. everyone. He you're was right. the one that yeah. grabbed it. He was the one that ran out with it and then they got had it some really everyone, you know
0: they had good moments for everybody. I I thought Hulk was a little underused, but they had a nice callback to the Secret Wars comics. There was that yes. great issue where Hulk held up the all the debris and stuff, mm-hmm. and they they redid that when the headquarters was blown up and he's holding up everything, trying to save Rhodey and uh Rocket. So that was cool.
1: Yeah. That was. uh you know, I'm I'm going to say um for the tearjerker moment was uh pepper saying goodbye to tony uh, at the end yeah yeah you know I, again i cried through the whole damn film pretty much but that
4: well peter kind of started kinda it and then she came she kind of you know pushed it aside you know the he, and then she got yeah. in there
1: yeah yeah that you know that was that was good the other thing i like too that that bit where tony and, and cap and i love their relationship um they're back in time things get screwed up loki gets a tesseract they have an exchange on what to do and cap says do you trust me or is it tony well someone tony. tells him, tony said yeah and he says i do and it's like oh, that's gold right there people Gold.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <sighs> uh.
0: What do you guys think about, We're we're jumping around a lot here.
2: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: What do you think about the fact that uh, old Steve has now passed the mantle on to Sam?
1: You know, that was a beautiful thing. And, um, look, it it could have been Sam or it could have been Bucky, you know, and and in the comic it was both at different points in time. Um. I, I mean if you if you look at uh cap's face when he hears Falcon saying steve, you know after all the heroes are appearing it, it just it's a special relationship and and not not taking anything away from Bucky you know Bucky is his his brother um but i that was because you know Sam has no super serum, Sam has no you know. Longevity, like like the Winter Soldier or Cap, so it, it Sam's going to have to do a lot of training. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> well, I think so, you know. Yeah. I think if you look at it, Sam's a logical choice because, I mean, is there anyone in that group that's more moral than he is? I mean, he's uh, never gone point, down Bob. like a rocky road. And right. then if you look at, you know, what does Steve Rogers do when everybody, you know, after the snap? Yeah. He's having that group discussion and trying to help people through, you know, yeah. their depression. What was Sam doing when, when Steve Rogers met him in the Winter Soldier?
1: That's true. He was mm-hmm. he was Very helping all
4: the uh, all the uh, ex-army or ex-military people deal with all of their problems. That's in a, kind in of a ther- like a therapy group. So I right. think that kind of was like a key. And then if you look at Bucky, I mean, he's got he's got the arm, he's got you know the strength, and he's a little flawed, you know. He's a little he's a little yeah. off once in a while. Mm-hmm. So you know, why not just mm-hmm. give it to Sam? And you know, and he, you know, he's, he he becomes like Cap with wings, right? I mean, he's still
1: it's kind of a throwback to the first film where Doctor uh, Ernst or uh, whoever he's dying and he he points to Steve's heart that's what makes the hero not shields and wings and guns and whatever your heart. And that ultimately that's why he had picked Steve. Even, you know, the generals are saying, what the hell are you doing? You know? So I think Steve saw that in Sam and that's how Sam,
4: No, no, they definitely did. I mean, you know, Sam didn't have a huge part at the beginning of, um, Cause there was one where he was just like out looking for Bucky. He was like-
0: Oh, Avengers?
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ultron, okay, yeah. Cause- uh,
0: Ultron, right.
4: Yeah, and Ultron. Because he spent that whole movie out looking for Steve's buddy. You know, he, no, didn't, he didn't know who Bucky was or, or anything. He just knew that, you know, this is Steve's friend and I gotta go find him and, you know, put everything. Now you
1: guys think, you think Sam's gonna get a movie?
0: Well, he's getting a TV
4: show. Yeah, he and the Winter Soldier getting the TV show, right? He, yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure he's going to carry on as Cap in future Avengers movies or whatever.
2: Right.
4: Now, whether he'll be the leader of the group or not, I don't know. But I think, you know, they're probably looking at him to carry on the mantle of Captain America. They're probably looking at Rhodey to kind of carry on the Iron Man thing, yeah, you know, hmm. as War Machine. And who knows? I mean, Rhodey was Iron Man for a while yeah when tony was stuck in the bottle and you know on his drunken stupor and and roadie took over as iron man and you've got Shuri there to uh you know develop new armor and new technology so
1: karen and i were having a side conversation at some point uh, even before the film came out and i was like wow you know what if what if cap doesn't make it you know who, who's going to be that part of the Avengers? And Karen had said something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, Karen, jump in. You know, maybe we don't need a Cap. Maybe maybe another character needs to be developed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I still feel that way. I would rather not see them have somebody else become Captain America. Mm. But, uh, you know, they've made their decision. We'll see, though. You know, he's got the shield. Is he going to call himself Captain America? I guess I would assume so. But Captain Falcon captain falcon yeah i don't know i, I kind of like that he has his own identity he's the falcon you know yeah i i would kind of like them just to retire captain america but uh there's too much money to be made i'm sure so but then oh again captain
4: God. america is a an important symbol for the country so you know sam would be carrying on that that symbol if nothing else
0: well and i have to say it's kind of cool that if they do carry on with Captain America that we have a black Captain America because it's like, times are changing folks, you know? Hey, you know? See,
4: now I, I can get into that. What I would not get into is if suddenly Chris Evans left the role and they just like hired someone who was black and said, "'Hi, I'm Steve Rogers'." Like many people wanted done with James Bond or with, you know, with other characters, it's like, Steve Rogers was established one way. That was a good transition if you have to go that direction.
1: Okay. I guess it would be different with Miles Morales because they didn't hire someone of color to be. Well,
4: Miles Peter was always Miles. I mean, they're, they're not yeah. taking him and saying he's Peter Parker.
1: Yeah. So you'd have a problem if they cast like a Hispanic Captain Kirk.
4: Yeah, sure. Because, uh, okay. you know, he's a farm boy from Iowa. Why is yeah. he suddenly Hispanic? You can make another Starship Captain just as good as Kirk and make him Hispanic. That's fine. Don't mess and, with and the, don't mess with the characters
0: themselves. I I think we're getting out of our lane again. We are, yeah. but you know.
4: Yeah. All
1: right. Well then, um, let's discuss where they're going to go now. Uh, Spider Man's the next film coming out. There's a lot of debate when did Spider-Man take place before or after Endgame
4: it supposedly takes place minutes after Endgame hmm. that's what I've read and it's Should supposed be. to be the technically yeah. it is the last movie of of Phase 3
1: it will be interesting then
4: so I'm sure he'll be dealing with a lot of the stuff that happened in, in Endgame
1: if that's the case he's lucky that all of his classmates uh, disappeared during the snap otherwise they, they'd be in their 20s <laughs> i was
0: going to say yeah i, I started well, that's the thing because it's like technically
4: half his classmates should have disappeared right
0: if it's a if, random
1: it depends disper- right
4: so how are all these kids suddenly still in high school again
0: well this is the, the question about the whole Marvel Universe now is it's a highly disrupted place. It doesn't really resemble our universe at all. That used to be the beauty right, of the Marvel Universe. You could imagine, oh, it's just like the world I live in, only there's superheroes. Mm-hmm. Now, though, it's like, oh, no, it's this horrible place where for five <laughs> years, half the population was gone. We assumed they were dead. And, and the world went to hell because, Paul, you know, the governments collapsed and, and the ecological systems were disrupted and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they all came back. And and now we have to, like, manage. I mean, it would be a nightmare. And then we're just supposed to be like, no, everything's cool.
1: Yeah. Do you get your old job back? <laughs>
0: yeah. What happens, right? It's well, like you can a,
4: still be a student, oh. obviously.
0: It really doesn't make a
4: lot of sense. So, now, obviously, like, Peter and whoever, whatever friends were gone in the snap, technically, I guess, coming back, they haven't aged, right? But the ones that well, were remaining should have aged and graduated and gone on to college or whatever.
1: It, it was a little bizarre that, that his core group of friends show up in the trailer for Far From Home. So, assuming that that random snap Snapped his little You know Click Uh, It's a movie I'll go with it Um, You know
4: Well we'll have to wait And see Convenient Hopefully they'll have Some kind of explanation Yeah But then again I mean this is really Technically Sony Marvel And not MCU Marvel right Even though he's like In the MCU umbrella now It's still A Sony produced Marvel movie
1: yeah, but I think so what happens how, in one happens in the other.
4: Right, but how connected mm-hmm. will they want to be? I mean, I'm thinking Sony probably I'm sure Marvel didn't want them to release it this close to to Endgame. But Sony just went ahead and cuz hey, that's the, you know, everyone knows Spider-Man comes back cuz he's got a movie coming out in a couple months.
1: My understanding is Kevin Feige really is heavily involved in when and how these films are released. So I mean, I guess that's a good question. I don't know how much grief you'd have over them coming out so soon after. uh,
4: And was that one of the reasons why they moved uh, Endgame up a month?
1: I think it was kind of bizarre to have Captain Marvel out so close to Endgame. It would have been nice to have established Captain (laughs) Marvel. And since we're talking about Captain Marvel, was she overutilized, in your opinion, or underutilized in Endgame?
0: Well, I kind of felt like she didn't, uh, she just showed up and then she like disappeared. She didn't get a chance to develop any kind of relationship with the other characters at all. I I Uh, agree. That kind of bothered me. I would have liked to have seen her well, and you know, they didn't have a ton of time, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it it would have been nice to get the sense that she had been working with the Avengers. I mean, we see like one scene where she's in her little hologram form talking to yeah. Natasha, but um, I don't know. I would have maybe liked a little bit more of that, but you know, dang, it's a three hour movie already, so.
4: Well, she kind of showed <laughs> yeah. up and then she's like, I'm gonna go look for Thanos and poof, off she goes and gets her hair cut and whatever, and then comes back. Yeah. <laughs> but She had time for a haircut.
1: Let me Again. ask you guys, oh, go ahead, sorry.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, she's, I mean, you know, they, they definitely established her power level. I mean, not only does she blow up the ship, but when she's starting to pull that gauntlet off him, uh, he gives her a headbutt, and she just kind of looks up at him
2: yeah.
0: PO'd look on her face. So,
4: well, she's supposed to be the strongest one. So, and I nah, guess I they're still gonna, have a
1: problem with that. And I
4: guess they're going to center around her from now on, which might be a little premature. With that you know, one mon- one movie under a belt and a few minutes in endgame, but
1: is that what they said at the end of the movie? She's gonna be more not at uh, the end of the movie. To... Well, but in articles,
4: that. Feige has said Oh, oh, oh. You know. The first you know, three phases that was you know, the first ten years that was all Iron Man basically kinda leading the way, or the being the focus. Yeah. She's now the focus.
1: You know, I, and I guess he's he is the guru, but I I kind of like stuff off of Earth. You know, some of those movies and stories, and that's fine. Um,
4: but I mean, you know, Iron Man had what two movies under his belt before Avengers came along, and then he had Iron Man three, and yeah, before well, he well, they rushed
1: quiet. that second movie for Avengers and stuff. But anyway, that yeah, I won't.
4: So speaking of Avengers, um,
1: <laughs> yes.
4: Where would you put this one? I was was talking to someone the other day, and I was saying, you know, I got to say, I'm thinking I would rank Infinity Wars 1, the original 2, Endgame 3, and Ultron 4.
1: Well, you know, it's hard for me to say because I've only seen it once, and I've seen the other ones multiple times.
4: I've only seen it once as well, but...
1: You are a bold man, Bob, to make that uh, statement then. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: um, I don't know, because I, when I first saw Iron Man 2, I didn't like it. And then I saw some Iron Man 3, and I really appreciated Iron Man 2 more. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. Karen, do you have a – I got to think.
0: I don't know. I'm really bad at ranking stuff because I change my mm. mind frequently. Yeah Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know Like you say, you know Now I've seen the other ones I've probably seen Avengers Like 20, 30 times Because it's always on TV Right Um, And I've grown to like Age of Ultron a lot more Especially, you know It's got the vision in it So I really like that As have Um,
4: I I think the amazing thing About Ultron Because I watched all the movies Obviously leading up to this one In the last few weeks And uh there's a lot more foreshadowing in Ultron than any of the other movies, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, there's a lot of foreshadowing, not just for Infinity War and, uh, and Endgame, but foreshadowing for Ragnarok and foreshadowing for Civil War, and, you know, quite a bit, I think.
1: The beauty of Kevin Feige i mean the the man has well, a he's plan. got his
4: big board in his boardroom there, and he's got yeah everything leads to something else, and he's got it going for the next five years, and he just hasn't told us about it yet,
1: yeah, uh Bob boy, uh, so I'm gonna say the original Avengers number one uh. <laughs> Number two, Age of Ultron. Number three, Infinity War. And number four, Endgame. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my!
1: This week, this week, because like Bob, I've watched all the other films. Actually, I, I love Infinity War, so maybe that would be one. And then Endgame would be three, and then Ultron would be. But I like. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. So let's just go with one two three four and yeah go ahead karen the
0: problem is is i i tend to think of civil war as an avengers movie too so Uh, it's hard it's hard for me to keep it out of there when i think of these films so Uh,
1: yeah that's a good one i mean that's the whole thing it's it's tough
0: it's not technically an avengers film it's a captain america film but geez they spend so much time with all the other
4: well you don't have thor and you don't have hulk so
0: Ah, forget it Yeah, I like the one, 30 megaton nukes
1: sitting around. Uh. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to touch on this after I see it a few more times, Bob. We'll, we'll throw it on Facebook. Here's Larry's list. <laughs> Here's Karen's list. <laughs>
4: and you already have Bob's list. So.
1: Yeah, we already have Bob's list. But Bob's list may change. Maybe he's going to see the film a few more times.
4: Oh, well, I will have to see it again. I'll probably have to see it again in another week or two because... Uh, because Debbie and the kids haven't seen it. so Well, Debbie saw it there with me, go. but the kids haven't seen it. So we have to go, you know, probably next let, week let or something. Let me ask
1: you guys this. Did you go see it in IMAX or 3D or any of that, you know, Dilly Deluxe stuff? I, I just saw it on that. Yeah, me too. I, I just saw it on a regular screen. I had
4: screen. 3D D-Box. I don't
2: know what that is. Uh, D-Box yeah, is, is, is like
4: this century's version of Sense Around. So as the explosions go off and things happen your seat shakes and stuff and it's like oh, i ended up turning it off after, i think i turned That's it right. off uh, i think i turned it off during the previews and just left it off but <laughs> it was yeah, getting pretty like, obnoxious you know it's like
1: i was gonna say i don't think i don't like things tickling my snarglies while i'm watching a movie <laughs>
0: <laughs> i will say that so the first time i saw it in just plain jane theater but everybody was yelling and screaming so you know it was very exciting the second time i saw it in one of these super dolby deluxe theaters so the sound was pretty intense Mm. Uh, it was shaking everything and you know rattling and coming from every direction so
4: well i think we're going to go with imax next but
1: yeah i may have to do what you did karen and, and just get get the Fillings rattled out of my teeth, so I can. <laughs> People were laughing and clapping. I was one of them, so I did miss a lot of dialogue.
0: Oh, that that brings up a point. Uh, how about some favorite uh, favorite lines or or you know snappy mm. snappy sayings from the film?
4: I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: that was perfect because it yeah. was a so that,
4: callback yeah. right to the beginning. This is the end of the entire thing, and yeah, that was the beginning of it. And that was something Uh, that I was reading recently that uh, originally he wasn't supposed to say anything.
0: Yeah, isn't that weird?
4: And then they were in the editing room and they're like, well, you know, he's always the king of the snarky one-liners. He's gotta say something. And they tried, they said they tried like a million different things and nothing worked. And then it was actually the film's editor that came up with, well, why don't we just, Thanos said, you know, I am inevitable. So why not have Tony say, "I am Iron Man"? And they thought, "Perfect! Get him back. Shoot it. That's a wrap. <laughs> that's gold. That's gold, gold people. people." So yeah, I think uh, you know, I think that was definitely, definitely one of them.
1: I I like when Cap knocks out Cap and takes a look at Cap falling mm-hmm. over and says, "That is America's ass." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, that's, that's so much fun to make.
1: Like. It's so out of character, but it it's really like.
4: Is. Is it's kind of creepy, though, too, because he's sitting there admiring his own ass.
0: Oh, after everything that's happened to him, I think it's okay.
4: <laughs> he, deserves he deserves to admire his ass.
0: You can look at his own ass.
4: Hey, if I had
1: Captain America's ass, I'd be admiring <laughs> it too, so
0: <laughs> I'd never leave the house. <laughs>
1: that's
2: right.
4: <laughs> so uh, okay, do you guys know where? I Love You 3,000 came from.
2: Oh, uh, that's I, a good
1: one. Yeah, I, I just assumed Tony made it up for his I, daughter. I,
4: I read that too. Um, basically, if you take all of the Marvel Universe movies up until Endgame and add up the runtime, it's about 3,000 3, minutes. So they just so they just rounded it off to 3,000, and that's where I Love You 3,000 came from.
1: Here's the thing. Uh, all of you guys listening to this podcast, I want you to know a secret.
4: They're all going to Internet Movie Database right now and calculators <laughs> and all, adding We
1: all. The, the three of us have been avoiding spoilers, as, as you all have. And now that Bob has seen the movie, he's spoiling the crap out of himself <laughs> by reading about this and that, and, which is great because... Oh, it's, it's very entertaining well, and hey, enjoyable.
4: one more thing then. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment. But mm-hmm. when all the heroes are coming back through all oh. of uh, Doctor Strange's portals see. and all that, yeah. when you see the wasp, and if you look to the right, to her left, you'll see this little white blob down there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Howard the Duck with a machine gun
1: oh that's that thing you sent us saying if you blink you'll miss it yeah yeah.
4: so so Howard the Duck was in the final battle
1: well good for Howard that that that, he was actually in in what three
4: movies he was in like two of the Guardian both the Guardian movies right he was in the end credits and then he was like just kind of in the background in a cage or whatever yeah and now he was in uh, in Endgame although I didn't see uh cosmo anywhere oh, I,
0: like, well. I like russian dog <laughs> <laughs> he
4: where could is it. my
2: bird
0: <laughs> i want bird. my bird
1: yeah <laughs>
4: oh boy i've I, I run uh, out of trivia so you'll have to go on to something else now
0: what you what? run out of trivia
4: <laughs> <laughs> wait let me get my phone out while you guys talk. <laughs> and
0: i'll,
4: oh, I'll find know. some more well now larry larry okay. did ruin that one part saying that uh that the kid from Iron Man 3 is in the funeral scene he's back yes kind of behind Wanda and uh i can't i think it was Wanda and uh and Rhodey standing there right And right behind them was uh the kid who is now i guess a late teen from Iron Man 3 someone was asking if he would be the next iron man i don't Go think ahead. so cuz he was like the uh the boy genius right with all his little machinery and stuff
0: he wasn't that bright <laughs>
4: bright enough bright enough to uh,
0: he broke the fingers off Iron Man he he impressed
4: Tony enough anyway (laughs) of course nobody else knows who the heck he is but
0: he he needed somebody to make him a tuna fish sandwich
4: yeah there you go well there's no tuna fish in armor so he didn't need (laughs) to know that's why he needed the kid so anything else come on three have, hour have, have movie we, we should at least have a three hour podcast
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, then they couldn't go to the bathroom that's right well actually oh, we don't know what the listeners are doing while they listen to the podcast
4: this is true I don't well depending me. on what they're listening on they could be anywhere with it right now <laughs> you do
0: anything you want
1: well are, are we ready to wind down and and discuss uh a, a little something else
0: i think so
4: we could well
1: you know being that may the 4th was just a few days ago uh we have some sad news that peter mayhew uh it's come to our attention has passed away you probably all know this because this is now uh, out in the world after his passing and uh, i had the fortune of um, meeting him at a, a convention well, the convention um, down in San Diego and got his autograph. Uh, He was a a true gentle giant, a gentleman. Um, He would be outside smoking a cigarette and people could just walk up to him and visit him. And, you know, uh, a good uh, hearted person. And I have good memories. And uh, thank you, Peter, for bringing a beloved character to the Star Wars uh, universe and our our lives. Bob or Karen, you have some some words you want to?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Like you, I met him at a convention years ago at WonderCon in the, I want to say, like early 2000s. And uh, I got to uh, talk to him right at the beginning of the show before Mm. people lined up for autographs. And uh, it was so nice. We I think we chatted for about fifteen minutes. Oh wow! And uh, there was just it was for whatever reason people were not around. They were going to something else. And uh, I got to talk to him about playing the Minuton in uh, oh, Sinbad and Eye of the Tire. And he was talking about the suit and how it was built and everything. And then we talked about, um, of course, playing Chewbacca and and uh, asked him about the differences between the original suit and then the one he wore later on in the later movies. And he was talking about all the, Oh, later on they built in cooling systems and it was much more comfortable. And, but he was just such a lovely man. He, he was so friendly, you know, he didn't treat you like uh, Hey, are you going to buy something or what, you know, <laughs> sometimes you go to talk to people and they seem to only be interested in, you know, what they're going to get out of you. I did get an autographed picture of course, but um it was just a nice, comfortable conversation. And he was such a good storyteller, you know, about all the intricacies of wearing the costume and trying to act in it. And uh, it was just a great, you know, short little, short little time, but I, in that time period, I felt like, um, yeah, this is a nice person. I'm glad I got to talk to him and boy, it yeah, it does make me sad to think that he's gone now, but, uh, he was so unique as Chewbacca—that walk he had—and if you yeah. ever saw him, if you ever saw him at a convention outside of the Chewbacca costume, you instantly knew that was Chewbacca because that walk was unique to <laughs> his. So, uh, yeah, definitely miss that gentleman.
1: That is a lovely memory. I, I hadn't um, heard the whole story before; I heard pieces of it, so that was great. Thank you, Mr. Bob.
4: Yes, I never really met Peter Mayhew. I have seen him at shows you know, in the distance signing autographs. I remember walking by and thinking, oh, more and more he's looking like Howard Stern. But <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, you can't underestimate the impact that Chewbacca and all of Star Wars had
3: on mm. the entire
4: generation, well, generations, because yeah. I guess they're, you know you're probably on your, Third generation now that uh, that's getting into Star Wars, but um, yeah and he was you know he was a key figure in uh, definitely the uh, original trilogy as well as you know the uh, the newer movies obviously so uh, yeah I mean he's definitely you know part part of the family I mean, we lost uh, Carrie Fisher and we lost uh, Alec Guinness and now we've lost uh, Peter Mayhew so you know appreciate these characters or these actors while they're around and Definitely. don't just walk by him in a convention and just think, Oh, he's looking like Howard Stern. Stop and talk to him <laughs> and get a, and get an autograph. Cause you may never get that chance again.
1: <laughs> well, thanks Bob. That, that was great. And, and good words too. Um, you know, we, we never know when these uh, beloved actors are, are going to move on. So take a minute, say Hello. Even if you don't get an autograph. Anyway, uh, look, you guys, this has been great. It's always a lot of fun to spend time uh, with you. Um, you know, it's a one year anniversary. Um, the time has flown by. Uh, any uh, sentimental words, Karen and Bob, you want to say before we sign off here?
4: Well, I mean, you know, we just kind of like started this on a whim and. Yeah, we've gone a year now. Hopefully we'll be going a lot longer. But, Amen to uh, that. you know, I just, I've had a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun reading comments that people, you know, either post or say about, about the uh, podcast. Um, and I think uh, hopefully, I know Larry and I are kind of working on hopefully yes. getting a listener party together this year. Uh, obviously, didn't make it for the one-year anniversary, but uh, but we'll we'll reveal details as they become available. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's it's so gonna secret. be fun. You it'll be a blast.
4: I tell you, it'll be like a cantina scene. I'm telling you.
1: That's right. You guys are in the Bay Area. It's gonna be at a local establishment, and we'll we'll leave it at that for right now. And who knows?
0: A wretched. Maybe, yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: there will be a wretched hive of scum and villainy. but uh,
1: Be able to fire up uh, special transport and get Karen out there, too.
0: Oh, you never know. You
4: but never we'll know. see. Well, we will all be at Creatures Con, which Indeed. is uh, out in San Ramon, California. And that will yes. be happening uh, in July. In July fact, 7th. Uh, that's right. July 7th John. on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, Sunday, and, uh, Sunday. I would tell you all the details but uh, we have a little spot we can play that uh, will come right from the horse's mouth.
3: Sounds good to me. It's It's coming coming back. back. Creatures Con, the Bay Area's classic horror convention, returns to the San Ramon Marriott Sunday, July 7th with spine-chilling special guests Hammer horror legend Veronica Carlson, star of Dracula has risen from the grave and Frankenstein must be destroyed. With director Joshua Kennedy, attending the West Coast premiere of their newest feature film, House of the Gorgon. Plus Twin Peaks star Charlotte Stewart, horror host legend John Stanley, and many, many more. But that's that's not not all. all. You'll see unique CreaturesCon programs like the Monster Movie Quiz and Mega Chiller Theater. You'll shop our dealer's room filled with scary, fun, monstrous merchandise. All this and more at Creatures Con, the Bay Area's classic horror convention, Sunday, July 7th at the San Ramon Marriott. For tickets and info, go to CreaturesCon.com.
1: On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at wwwplanet where you can get more
4: information on this episode's topic.
0: For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast.
4: Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast.
1: We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.